1: What's up, everybody? It is a victory Monday on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We get to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals getting a huge win against the New Orleans Saints down in the Big Easy. And the Bengals write the ship, get two three and three. And there's a lot of different things to talk about with this game. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly, some really promising things, kind of things that cover the gamut. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and Of course, this is the Orange and Black Insider, as I mentioned, part of the Cincy Jungle and SB Nation channel of podcasts. You can get this show and the others on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Right down here, you can click that little square and do that. We do have memberships on our YouTube channel now as well for some exclusive material, giveaways, and other stuff. So you'll want to be a part of that. We appreciate all of the support that you've shown this show. And, of course, the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk Matt Minick from Matt Minnick, as well as Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. Uh, he and the gang put on uh, some big big celebrations, tailgates, pregame parties, all kinds of stuff in New Orleans. I am so jealous that I was not there. I apologize for not going on yesterday to talk about the game shortly after it. I did have some other things, uh, unfortunately, pop up, and then I was going to go on later. That didn't happen, so I decided, hey, let's let's sleep on it, (laughs) and we will talk about everything in the morning, at least morning for me, afternoon for some, other times for others, and then We'll get to all of it there. So at any rate, happy to be with all of you. However, you may be tuning in live or after the fact, appreciate it. So the Bengals kind of win a shootout 30 to 26. By the way, I think most betting platforms, including uh, DraftKings and whatnot, has had that had this game at about three points. The Bengals win by four. So that's always that's always something that cracks me up when I see that 30 to 26. The Bengals win. This was the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase show. It didn't start off that way necessarily, but as the second half rolled around and everything, they took over. And that is absolutely what transpired. The Bengals defense, they held their ground a little bit in the second half, but really let up a lot of points and a lot of big third downs. We'll talk more about that in this game to make it. You know, it kind of seemed like the Saints kept putting this game out of reach. You know, the Bengals would kind of climb their way back in it a little bit, get it within a possession. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Saints would kind of kick another field goal. And all of a sudden, they're, you're facing a nine-point deficit. And And, you know, with the inconsistencies on offense that we've seen this year, it seemed like it was a lot of, you know, it, it seemed, I don't want to say insurmountable, but, I mean, it seemed very... Tough for the Bengals to be able to, to climb back in it, but a couple of big plays by Joe Burrow, a couple of big plays by Jamar Chase, and uh, the guys who were former LSU Tigers went back to the Superdome and created some more magic for the for the away team this time. I want to share this. This is when I knew, personally, that this game was going to be going the Bengals way. There was a specific moment in this game, specific play in this game that told me that, yeah, uh, these guys are going to start taking over and that's going to be that. Um, so here is the play right here that I considered to be the one that had the Bengals in position to win the game, hopefully you can see this and sharing. This is Joe just creating magic, escapes, 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 makes the play, and gets the ball to Tyler Boyd there. That is the play right there in the in the second half where he ended up. Uh, you know, it was early in the fourth quarter. The Bengals were playing catch up there, and ultimately, that's when I knew that we were going to start to see something special. Uh, you know, there were a lot of different moments, a lot of different frustrations in this game. And early, there were some, some unforced errors that really were staggering. You know, T. Higgins had a had an uncharacteristic drop early in the game that stalled out a drive. You had the Trent Taylor fumble on a punt return. He had a couple of nice returns. But that, that initial punt return, it looked as if he wasn't even initially touched or the ball wasn't punched out or anything. When he started to bobble it, it was bobbled. And then a guy got his arm on it. And he lost the ball, of course, that led to the early touchdown for the Saints, and so some uncharacteristic errors and then, of course, you had Trey Hendrickson on the third and twenty five and we 'll talk about the third down situations on a third and twenty five He has a roughing the passer penalty on Andy Dalton, and uh, pretty inexplicable in terms of what you know what was going through his head there but um at any rate some inexplicable errors some unforced errors and the Bengals overcome and still get a win that i think will transform their season and there are a couple of reasons for that and we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show let's get to as we usually do uh we'll get to the box score and hey if you got some questions you can call or text 949-542-6241. You can call or text there. I'm seeing some questions in the live YouTube and Facebook chats. Go ahead and leave those there. We'll, we'll take a couple of questions on here. And I see one here. Uh, where, where was this one? I should probably ask this later from Sterling Sherwood on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. I should probably ask this later, but I'll forget. Hey, it happens. I forget a lot of stuff. I I, I do the show. Sometimes I even plan it out. I do all this stuff. And then I'm like, Oh man, I forgot to talk about that, but it happens to the best of us. Sterling. Don't worry about it. I should probably ask this later, but I'll forget. Do you think that those two divisional losses is going to hurt us in the long run? Well, it's not going to help. That is for sure. The the two divisional losses, particularly in the fashion that you lost them um, final play, you know, uh, just, and you weren't playing your best ball, really, especially on offense in those games, um, it, it it will not do them any favors. But the Bengals essentially need to, at the very least, split all the division games, go 3-3 three and three in the division this year, if not, win out the rest of them. And they should be able to win the rest of them based on the inconsistencies we've seen from Baltimore, based on the inconsistencies, and that's being kind, that we've seen from the Pittsburgh Steelers and the inconsistencies with the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Bengals have not matched up well against the Cleveland Browns in recent years for a variety of factors and reasons. They get one game without Deshaun Watson playing for them against Cleveland, and then they'll have another one where conceivably Watson will play. But then you go, OK, how rusty is Deshaun Watson after taking a, you know, a year and a half off of football? Up, up for debate, but yeah, I mean, the Bengals need to, at a bare minimum, go three and three in the division the rest of the way. The thing that does help them is their two previous wins that they had coming into this week were conference wins. So that helps in terms of playoff picture. And then, of course, you got those two teams you beat. The Jets are surprising people. I think they're four and two at the moment right now. And then you've got the Dolphins who, you know, when when Tua is in there and playing, they were they were rolling there. So, um, you know, having those two wins will help you out if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. But those division wins, you got it. You got to start collecting those. You got to go at least at least three and three, if not four and two in the division. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, keep those questions coming. We'll get to a few more here as we roll on. Let's get to the stat lines. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got the stat lines. We've got I want to go over some things in terms of drive summaries and play by play. Um, We've got, uh, you know, some of the other team stats that we're going to go over and then we're going to talk a little bit about how much this means to the Cincinnati Bengals season and some things that we saw that I feel were uh, positive signs going forward and and signs of growth, maturity and adaptability. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, Stuart, I I see your question there as well. I'm going to talk about that a little bit and I'll pin up your question when we get there, but I do see it. I promise. I see it. Thank you for the question. All right, let's get to the box score as we usually do. And of course I usually like to use ESPN just because it lays out things pretty nicely for my eyeballs or my liking. I, I suppose here's the passing. What a day from Joe Burrow after, not having, you know, the best start to the season, has his best game of the season, 28 of 37, 300 yards, three touchdowns, did take three sacks, but had a quarterback rating of 126. Very, very good game by him. Um, uh, You know, it, it wasn't the deep ball variety, the bombs away variety, even though he got the 300 yards, 8.1 yards per per pass, et cetera, it, it's, it was yards after the catch. It was take what's what's given to you. It was use Tyler Boyd, use Hayden Hurst, use T. Higgins, and then get the ball to Chase and let Chase do his yards after the catch thing. Um, so it, it was a lot. That, that's what I feel for our later conversation here. That's where I feel there's a lot of maturity, a lot of growth and development for the Bengals that were shown in this game and uh that's what gives a, a bit of hope going forward. I mean, they weren't out of it by any stretch, but they uh, for for all intents and purposes, they had to have this game. They had to have this game to keep pace even though their division is up and down, all of that. They needed to they needed to have this game. Uh you look at Andy Dalton, I, I thought it was a pretty admirable effort by Dalton, um, you know, not lighten up the 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 stat sheet or anything, but I mean, led a number of scoring drives. There were a lot of stallouts, but ultimately I saw someone who said this on Twitter. I think it was in response to one of my tweets or something. And I, I can't remember exactly who said it, my apologies, but someone kind of said, you know, this is, you saw the difference between Burrow and Dalton and you saw when it was crunch time, Burrow was the guy who stepped up. He kind of grabbed the team by the haunches and said, let's go Dalton. He didn't shrink per se, but I mean, there was just a, a couple of, there was a throwaway there was a sack taken late, um, all of that, and you kind of say, "Oh, you know," there's you, you kind of had some memories, but I still thought it was a pretty decent game from Andy Dalton, who has played some of his best football of his career, and we've seen a lot of it. Some of the best football of his career has come against his his old team, um, you know. So he had the uh, the 162 yards here. He had the one touchdown. A seventy-seven point nine rating. Some people are saying that he's the guy that's going to be taking on that starting quarterback role, even when Jameis Wilson uh, Winston is fully healthy. Taysom Hill in there, he did have four pass attempts, completed only two of them for sixteen yards. Alvin Kamara, your your leading rusher, just uh, just came off of. Just under 100 yards, 19 carries, 99 yards. Um, They were running the ball very, very well against the Cincinnati Bengals. And this does not bode well going forward when you've got Baltimore, who does a lot of different things running the football, mobile quarterbacks, etc. And then, of course, you've got the Falcons who do the same thing, mobile quarterback, all of that. This does not bode well for the Bengals um, going forward. They lost Josh Tupo, who was supposedly in a boot. He had a calf injury. My thing with the... I have a little optimism there because he was questionable to return in this game. He was not ruled out immediately. So you have a little hope there, but reports are that he's in a boot right now. You don't like that. Of course, you're missing DJ Reader. And now there is an injury to Logan Wilson that seems to be precarious, to say the least. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, at, at this point... The Bengals need some help there. We did see some nice moments from my guy Jay Tufele, who came in there and, and played. Uh, I think he had a tackle for loss. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But they are going to need some depth. They're going to need some interior defensive line depth. And unfortunately, you know that you didn't you didn't hang on to Larry Ogunjobi, um, which is fine. But um, you know you had to you had to do some other different things here. And with no DJ Reader, you're seeing a big difference in the run defense here. 228 rushing yards by the New Orleans Saints. 228. Uh, of course, 44 of them came on that Rashid Shahid play. Um, but I mean, look at the, look at the averages by everybody. Kamara, 5.2 yards per carry at almost a hundred yards, 99 yards. Mark Ingram, 46 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Of course, Shahid had the 44 yarder. Taysom Hill, 7.8 yards per carry. They were just gashing the Bengals defense. That was, I think top five and run defense coming into this game. 34, Rushes for 228 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the Saints. Bengals got a little something cooking on the ground here. P. Ryan only had two carries for five yards. Mixon only had eight carries, but he was averaging over five and a half for his 45 yards. Burrow did a little something there as well. They were just throwing the ball more often and, of course, playing from behind and other things. But, again, and we'll talk about it, some adaptation on offense is leading to better more positive plays in the run game not these massive negative yard plays or anything like that so when you see joe uh joe mixon getting 5.6 yards per carry you like that you like that even though his long of the day was only 10 yards Then of course the receivers not much in terms of high volume for the saints receivers by the way again when we talk about dalton stat lines and everything They were missing their top three or four wide receivers in this game. Uh, Had two practice squad calls, call-ups who had both had big plays in Traquan Smith, and I believe it was Marquez Callaway who was the other practice squad call-up. Smith had the touchdown. Juwan Johnson, 4 of 41, he played kind of a tight end position. He was a wide receiver in college who played with Justin Herbert. Uh, He was always a big guy. Um, But yeah, playing kind of tight end for the Saints here, Uh, four catches for 41 yards there. And then, of course, you have the big days by the Bengals. Chase, seven for 132 in the two scores. Of course, the 60-yarder, a backbreaker there, seven catches on 10 targets for him. Boyd caught six passes on all six of his targets for 66 yards. The sixth game (laughs) for Tyler Boyd, six catches for 66 yards on six targets. Higgins, six catches on 10 targets. He had one great, great catch where he went up and behind him. It was actually a very well-placed ball, even though it didn't look it to be uh, at first glance, but based on where the coverage was, and Adam Archuleta on the broadcast did a nice breakdown of it, but a great pitch and catch on one of those plays to Higgins. Uh, Mixon getting involved in the in the passing game as well. Four catches, 23 yards. Hurst had his catches mostly early three for 21 And P. Ryan involved in the pass game as well, 2-4-11. You had the fumble by Trent Taylor that was lost, uh, so not good there. Jermaine Pratt, your leading tackler, 14 of them. Sam Hubbard had a couple of nice splash plays there, seven total tackles, a half sack, uh, and a uh, pass defended. Eli Apple had a rough first two-and-a-half quarters. And then had a couple of nice plays early on in the or late in the second quarter. He absolutely smacked Taysom Hill on a uh, on a run attempt, and then of course he was on coverage late um, at the very end of the game to kind of force uh, on the fourth down to force the incompletion that that essentially ended the game. So a rough first part of the game for Eli Apple, but started to pick it up late. B.J. Hill, pretty active day, had uh, a share of the sack with. Sam Hubbard, um, and then he had six total tackles. Two Fele, as I mentioned, one tackle for loss and six total tackles. A guy that I think can be an effective rotational guy uh, going forward, but the Bengals will need additional help. They will need additional help going forward, and hopefully Reader comes back sooner rather than later. Uh, Logan Wilson, only four tackles, exited the game with the injury. Mike Hilton uh, had an up and down day. Trey Flowers uh, had four tackles as well. Bates, Pretty quiet, four total tackles there. Wougier had two passes defended. You like that. One was a beautiful one on a deep ball opportunity. So um, you like that. And then Hendrickson had the um, tackle for loss there. And three total tackles had that one penalty where you just go, oh man, what what happened right there? Um, And then Zachary Carter getting more time too. That's another guy that's going to have to step up and do some different things on this defense as well. And then you look here. Uh, Demario Davis, a very active, a good player. Demario Davis, nine total tackles, two tackles for loss uh, that were two sacks on Joe Burrow. So big game from him. Chris Harris Jr., the ageless wonder it would seem, eight total tackles out there. Uh, Pete Werner, active day for him, six total tackles. So uh, again, uh, three sacks on the Bengals, but two of them have been credited since by Pro Football Focus. Two of them have been credited to Joe Mixon on pass protection. So this offensive line is starting to do some things, and I'm going to cut away real quick to show you this tweet from a good friend of ours, uh, friend of the show, Santori Miles. He was on a while ago here. Good, good stat and uh little thing that he – tidbit that he put out on Twitter that I wanted to share, and you can go follow him. He's a good follow at Cincy underscore Suave. Last four games, Burrow has been sacked eight times. The offensive line has been responsible – about five of them that would be barely 20 sacks the remainder of the season they're effectively a regular offensive line and average league average whatever that's about what you want uh i mean you want them to be above average especially with some of the guys you're paying there and you know having four new starters but you're starting to feel a little bit better about this offensive line and oh by the way those lack of sacks lack of hits all of that are part of the adapt- adaptation process and we'll talk about that in a second but um at any rate that uh, I-, I thought that was an, uh, an interesting set of stats shared to us by santori miles and thank you to him for uh that nice tidbit of info I'm going to go back to the box score real quick, and then we're going to look at a couple of different things and talk about some other things. And then you look here just quickly, McPherson, perfect on the day, three extra points and one field goal. Of course, a 52-yarder, just booming those 50-yarders with regularity. Will Lutz, 4-4 uh, four four on his field goals. That, that ended up, I mean, there's basically two elements to this game, really, if you want to boil it down to something real basic, aside from Burrow and Chase taking over. It's the Saints settling for field goals rather than touchdowns and it was the Trent Taylor fumble that really kind of got the Saints early momentum and the Bengals needing to play catch up most of the day um so they didn't they didn't have the lead really throughout most of this game the Bengals you see Kevin Huber had a couple of nice punts here three for 131 an average of 43.7 one of them inside the 20 with a 50 yard uh long long one there when he got the ball uh, it, bo- both on kickoffs and punt returns. The Bengals uh, kind of had some nice returns. Evans kind of routinely put it at the 24-yard average mark. I mean, he was he was returning the ball a little bit. And then he had Taylor. I mean, he had 16.5 yards on his two punt returns. It's just one of them was a fumble. So he had two nice returns on the day. It's just unfortunate that one of them had to, you know, end the way that it did. Um, and so now let's get to the... I want to point this out real quick. Um, well, let's go to the team stats, and then we'll, we'll point out the drive summary, too, because there's something very – that that pops out at you when you look at that. Pretty even in some of these areas, you look at the first downs, the Bengals 21, Saints 22. Um, third down efficiency, the Bengals were 6 of 10, much better on third down than they have been. 8 of 17, so under 50% for the Saints – um, and most of those came late in the game in terms of not being able to um, move the ball on third down. So then you go here, um, Saints were 0 for 1 on fourth down. Uh, Saints ran far more plays than the Bengals, uh, 17 more plays, in fact, 71 to 54 yardage. Pretty similar. Bengals had 348 net yards. Saints had 399. Both teams had 10 drives. Bengals yards per play, 0.8 Yards more per play on average than the Saints. And of course, more passing yards. Uh, Bengals had three sacks. Saints only let up one. Look at the disparity in the rushing yards, though. 228 for the Saints, 75 for the Bengals. Penalties pretty clean. Um, Just the one that the Bengals had via uh, Trey Hendrickson, not great, but only seven total penalties in the game. Three by the Bengals, four by the Saints. Time of possession, Saints had the ball, um, you know, a little longer, about four and a half minutes longer, which you would expect based on the fact that they were running the ball and whatnot. But one thing that is worrisome, and I will bring this up as well. This is the play-by-play and drive summary of the game. And I want to bring this up because there's something to to look at here. Um, Essentially, one of the things that happens here, you see this drive right before the half where the saints kick a field goal with a second left on the clock. They had that ball. I'm scrolling up through all the plays. That was a 14 play drive. They started the that drive with five minutes and 43 seconds. So almost six minutes left on the game clock, six minutes. They get it. They just chug away, only get a field goal out of it. Um, and, and so then, they then it's halftime. They get the ball again for another 14 play drive coming out of half. For seven, almost eight minutes. So you're looking at like 13 and a half minutes of the game clock wherein the Bengals did not have the ball. The offense that finally started to cook and was doing some positive things, they did not have the ball for almost an entire quarter in this game consecutively. Uh, I mean, you could... Consecutively is a rel- relative term with the halftime break, but that that's a little troubling. And that was uh, what coincided with that were in total, I counted five third and longs, which was about third and eight plus that the Bengals defense allowed. One of which was that inexplicable third and 25. Right here, third and 25 at the New Orleans 23. That was a pivotal moment in the game and where the Bengals made it, you know, you let that one go. You don't do the, the the bonehead penalty. You just let them get maybe a handful of yards, keep it in front of you. You get the ball back. Who knows what happens from there? But that was a pivotal point on in, in the game. And so the Bengals did not have the ball for almost an entire quarter straight in this game. And then, of course, I, I counted, like I said, five third and longs, uh, third and eight, third and 12, third and 10, third and 25 that the Bengals allowed. And that is troubling. Uh, and then when you're talking about when you're talking about the the injuries on the defensive line and in in the linebacker group, that is something that is not boding well for the the Bengals going forward and the defense. They got to fix that. And and they've been, for the most part, they had been very good at getting off the field on third down. Instead of creating the big sacks or the big turnovers and that sort of thing, that's kind of been their thing: is getting off the field on third down and not allowing a lot of third down conversion. Now, later when the Bengals kind of mounted their comeback, the defense stepped up yet again in the second half. They have not allowed a second half touchdown all season, which is a really, really amazing stat. However, when you look at that, you look at the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third, it, it felt like forever since the Bengals had offense had the ball. And so you're talking about 28 straight plays ran by the New Orleans Saints offense. A lot of them on the ground and a lot of them gassing the Bengals and gashing the Bengals. So that is, uh, you know, that's something that the Bengals have to clean up for sure. One headline, we talked about it a little bit. Tupo out uh, of this game. We'll have to see what happens there. It sounds like Reader may be coming back soon. I hope um, he was on the, the short-term IR But here is on Cincy Jungle. I will pin this article for you. There is real concern with Logan Wilson's shoulder injury, and I believe that report came from the Cincinnati Inquirer's Kelsey Conway. Here is, uh, and so the the big concern with it is not just a shoulder injury, but it is a shoulder injury to the same shoulder that he had surgery on um, this offseason. So that is not good news there he Wilson of course is one of the key players on the defense very active player and you know there were some issues when he missed some time last year so hopefully this isn't you know this isn't something that keeps him out for a long long period of time but there is quote real concern with Logan Wilson's shoulder injury especially with it being on that same shoulder that he had surgically repaired recently so um you know that's something to watch for, something to, to monitor there. Um, Let's see if there's a couple of questions here that we can. um, Pete Crowley here, 513. Is it me or our team's getting dangerously close to blocking Huber? There are a couple of instances that have scared me a little bit. That's for sure. Um, That's (laughs) something that they'll need to definitely not have happen. Again, you've got a veteran punter there. Who's, really, truly towards the end of his career. And then you've got a new long snapper in there as well. So that chemistry still needs to be built. But yeah, that that's a play that they cannot allow t- to happen um, during the season, because those are devastating, devastating plays within a game. Um, you see here, where are some of the others that... There was one that I said earlier. Um, I think it was from Stewart. And it was basically about the offensive line. Uh, So I I answered that a little bit with Santori Miles's tweet that he put out there, but also the Bengals are adapting their offense a little bit. Teams are playing uh, and have been this entire year, a lot of two safety, a lot of deep safety looks, a lot of things to take away the big play to Jamar chase and kind of have the Bengals dink and dunk their way. So to speak, down the field, and you know it was it was a theme. You kind of started to see in the postseason a little bit, and now you start to see it here. Uh, you know some of the things I did like from the Bengals this week. They were they were better in the shorter areas of the field, the red zone, the the goal line type of situations. You know you saw the the you know what was it four touchdowns to one field goal. in in terms of scoring, so you you like all of that as opposed to, you know, McPherson having to attempt three or four field goals a game, which was kind of part and parcel of the postseason last year in the early part of this season. You know, the Bengals were scoring in the 17s and, you know, the the high teens or low 20s, really, in the postseason and early this season, but, you know, they got up to 30 this week because of a lot of different things, but part of that is because of an adjustment in their game and one of the adjustments is in the rpo attack that they are they are uh introducing this was a run late in the game here and you can see here it was an rpo and we'll play it again here for you this is at a shotgun and it it could have been an rpo type of look um a little bit of a draw type of situation but those are the types of things now and and the key with that is that is a play now that is churning up six, seven yards positive instead of some of these more traditional handoffs that were not working early in this year and netting three-yard losses, two-yard losses, a guy in the backfield immediately hitting Mixon or Mixon not making the right read, that sort of thing. That is is a play where it's kind of just get the ball, one cut, go, if that. Uh, You just saw Mixon was very decisive on that play. And obviously what the Bengals were able to do in the passing game allowed them to run this kind of play and get positive yardage. That was the play before the big Joe Burrow dance around that I played earlier for you uh, for the, for the big completion.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity VAN29.com.
1: So, this, you know, the Bengals' offense is adapting. Their offensive line is adapting. And I think that that's where we can um, talk about what this win may mean for the team going forward. I put out this tweet. It got a little traction here. I just, I, I wrote out, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but. That could be a season-changing win for the Bengals. Got a lot of people interacting with that and and seemingly agreeing with it. Um, And not only because it's a game that the Bengals get back to 500 in a division that seems to be so up and down with the other teams that are in it, but it's also a a game that we saw, like I said, an offense adapt, an offense do some different things to, to find a different way to win. So let's talk about that portion first. The the Bengals offense is, is just creating a scheme that is disallowing defenses to have as many hits or sacks on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is still dancing around some of those. Joe Mixon was the guy, apparently, by PFF metrics, who was credited with two of the sacks or should have been credited with two of the sacks of the three that were on the day. Uh, two of them from Demario Davis uh, on a on a blitz type of situation, if I remember correctly, uh, coming up coming up through the through the middle of the line there. But um, you know, you look at it and it's just last week. You know, there were there were cleaner pockets. This week, there were some cleaner pockets, and there was just it seemed like there was a lot more decisiveness by Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and others. There was a lot more confidence, and there was a lot. I, I, I think I had seen that uh, you know, pretty much almost every single play was run out of shotgun. They did a lot of spread stuff, and, and we know that Joe and and the crew like to run things out of that type of formation. So, I mean, you're seeing a team evolve, and I think we wanted this evolution or this adaptation to take place earlier in the year, but it's, I mean, it t- these kind of things take time. They don't they don't happen overnight. And you've got a team that is hungry and has the ability to have big plays on the regular based on the skill position, talent, based on the quarterback and everything. I think think that you're seeing a a team that's going to, you know, they're starting to finally get a little more patient on offense. You're seeing them instead of, we got to get this big play right now. We got to get this big play right now. This was a, a methodical game. There was a lot of intermediate, a lot of short stuff, um, some really nice plays by Tyler Boyd, routes run by him. I mentioned Hurst and his three catches. Higgins had six catches in and in a couple of nice plays. And then you got the yards after catch stuff from Chase. And there were a couple of big ones uh, there. Um, obviously, the 60-yarder, that was, I think, a 10-yard route. Um, And then, of course, you had another one earlier where it was a very short pass. He made the first defender miss and you know had a short pass that turned into, I don't know, I want to say 15 or so yard gain at the time. So uh, it was yards after the catch, stuff with Chase, and then controlled passing and taking what the defense allowed them to take uh, on offense. And so when you have that, then late in the game, especially when you're playing a little bit of catch up, You're in a formation that looks like a pass formation, and you run an RPO-style run to Mixon that shoots up the gap for a nice seven-yard gain late in the game, and those are the things that were not there the first four or five weeks. I mean, some of that stuff was there against the Jets because the Bengals put up points there, but a lot of it throughout the rest of the year has not been there, and so maybe they have finally figured out a formula using some RPO stuff, finally... Understanding that patience is a virtue and taking these short and intermediate routes to you know to, to find success. And really a lot of times too, what I what I would think too on a, a lot of those more controlled passing situations, as you hit that, you hit a rhythm, you get more confidence as an offense, and you keep going and you build on it, you build on it, you build on it. And I think that's what we saw with the Bengals, particularly in the second half. Um yeah, uh, yesterday, and the other a- aspect of this, you've probably heard me and others talk about this this sentiment of complementary football, and I don't mean like, <laughs> hey, nice play. Um, I'm talking about units on a respective team picking each other up, or you know, let's say the defense gets a turnover, and then it would be the offense, you know, taking that turnover and on that drive immediately converting it to points, hopefully a touchdown type of thing, or you know, the the Bengals offense sandwiching points around a half time as they did so many times last year and then the defense getting a prompt stand or you know what have you special teams making their you know making their case as well it also can be said that when a unit is not playing well having another unit pick it up pick up the slack and play well so the first You know, throughout most of this season, the offense has not played very well, but the defense has done pretty well. They were allowing 16.4 points per game before this one. And, you know, they were high up on run defense and all kinds of different metrics. They were doing pretty well on defense. They weren't making the splash plays, but they were they were keeping the Bengals alive and in winnable situations for sure. The offense didn't hold their end of the bargain in in a lot of those games this week. The defense gave up almost 230 rushing yards and that's maddening when you realize about how the top three four wide receivers of the of the New Orleans Saints were out of this game you knew that's what's that's what was going to be coming and you could not match up well with it but the offense rose to the occasion and when it mattered most they, they made comeback after comeback and you know ultimately decided that they were going to take over this game they did the The former LSU boys took over the game. Got a lead, and then, lo and behold, the defense gets a stand late in the game to seal the win. So, that is what, I, you know, I I think that's what we liked out of this one. The adaptation, the grit of, hey, Bengals could have crawled in their shell in this one. They could have crawled in their shell in this one, for sure, and they did not. They came up big and... Made plays towards the end there that did it, and I said it on, on Twitter as well. I I gave a you know kind of a virtual round of applause to Andy Dalton. I know the numbers weren't gaudy. I know, you know, there were still some vintage Dalton kind of panic moments, but I you know I thought he played pretty well and well enough for them to win the game. It was more just you know they settled for one or two too many field goals, um, and you know early they took advantage of the Taylor turnover and. Uh, the Saints were in position to win this game, but I do think, for a variety of reasons, this is a season-changing win. I don't want to call it a season-saving win because we're still very early in the process of this. Well, I shouldn't say very early, but we're still early in the season, so to speak. And so the but but at, there's a wild difference between three and three and two and four. I don't know. There's something about the look of that record to the eyeballs that is just way different. And then when you look at, you know, where the AFC North is right now, it is wildly inconsistent, including the Bengals, including the Bengals. That's, you know, I mean, here, just a quick, uh, quick update and search on what the, what the division is doing. There is no one running away with this division here. You have the Ravens still up top by virtue of not only the record, but the, the victory over the Bengals last week. So you've got the Bengals and the Ravens up top at three and three. You got the Browns and the Steelers, both at two and four. The Browns are on a bit of a backslide right now. The Steelers had a nice win against Tampa Bay at home, but really uh, you had Pickett leave that game yesterday. Trubisky comes back in, comes back in uh, through a touchdown. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the records of home and away, home and away. It's just, wildly inconsistent here's the Browns they're on a three-game skid I mean they were two and one and now they're two and four so the Bengals with that win technically are in a tie at the top of the division Baltimore has the you know the, um, the, the the tiebreaker on them but you look around the league too. the Rams who won the Super Bowl against the Bengals last year I think they're three and three right now you got the Falcons who improved to three and three the Saints are two and four but they're a pretty decent team who knows what would have happened if they had all their weapons healthy yesterday. There's a lot of parody, but it's there's also a lot of mediocrity in the league this year. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of a lot of that. And you got the Packers and the Buccaneers also struggling with two of the legends, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. They're struggling. They both lost yesterday. So uh, at any rate, that's where I, I think, this is a major, major win. It's not just, hey, you got to win and you're three and three, road win, and hey, nice story. It's how they won, not only in comeback fashion, but also doing so in, in a way that wasn't necessarily what we saw them. I mean, the the, the chemistry in a lot of that stuff was, was similar last year. And yeah, they did some short and intermediate stuff, but it wasn't the bombs away, big play, you know, uh, to chase necessarily chase had a big play but it was on a shorter pass that he made yards after the catch opportunities with and the Bengals just controlled the game with their passing um and so you like that and that you, you think they found that found a bit of a rhythm they've done some different things with the run game that then they were doing last few weeks and there was some effectiveness there even though Mixon only had what i say eight eight carries so um i would think that a lot of these things that we saw work this week, I would think and hope that they are going to continue to be utilized in the weeks ahead, in the weeks ahead. And now the Bengals have some, some pretty winnable games on the slate here before the buy, um, still not easy by any means, but um, you know, they've got some games here. A lot of the NFC South uh, Coming up here, I'll pull up the schedule here of the next handful of games um, for you all to peruse. Here you go right here. The Panthers are a mess. There's more stuff coming out with them. Panthers are a mess, but you've got the Falcons. They had a nice win yesterday, but they're up and down. They do have kind of an interesting run game that is similar in some ways to the Saints. You know, The quarterback doing a lot of different things there. Browns, they like to run the ball. That's on Halloween. Then you've got the Panthers there. Then you've got a bye. So the the good news is, as uh, our buddy Marty Bannister said to me yesterday on Twitter, the Bengals don't leave the state of Ohio for the next you know three four weeks between the between the games they've got home for Falcons. They go to the Browns, home for the Panthers, then the bye week, and then they go to Pittsburgh for a big big game night game. Uh, But if you look at those games here and what we've discussed, these all seem like winnable games, but some people may be looking at the Bengals on their schedule from the other side of the fence and saying, you know, that that Bengals aren't the same, blah, blah, blah. Uh, You've got the Titans. They've been a team that's been up and down this year. Also the chiefs, they they're very good. They lost uh, lost to the bills yesterday. Then you've got Browns bucks up and down patriots up and down you've got the world beating bills and then you end it with the ravens but before the bye once again Bengals host the falcons they go to cleveland and then they host the panthers before the bye those are all winnable games and it's a good opportunity for them to get some momentum and do some different things and get some wins under their belt hopefully I think that's going to do it for us. We went through the stats. We went through some drive summaries and some anomalies in those. We went through the team stats and we wanted to talk to you about if this was a season changing win, which I think it was for a lot of different reasons. Um, I like this here from Mark on facebook was at the game in new orleans yesterday Bengals fans must have filled about 30 to 35 percent of the seats it was unreal looked like there was a pretty good Bengals contingent and it was kind of cool to see what's what looked like new orleans saints fans dressed up in lsu Burrow chase gear as well um kind of i would assume that was a very cool vibe this was one of the games i had circled on my personal calendar that i wanted to try and get to just did not work out um But I hope everybody had a great time down there. Sounds like from what I've seen and heard, everybody did. So that was, uh, you know, good to hear that, Mark. Appreciate you sharing. Hopefully you had a great time, my man. And I appreciate all of you Tried to answer a couple of questions in here. We're going a little bit long, but we've shared a lot of stuff breaking down the Bengals' big win against the New Orleans Saints. They go to three and three. And they've got a slate of winnable games coming up before the bye. We'll be back with happening headlines tomorrow. Bengal Jim tomorrow night has his show as well. So you'll want to check that one out. And of course, we've got our Wednesday night show. Check it. We'll have more on previewing the opposition, listener questions live, all kinds of different things. You can get this show and Coach Speak Chalk Talk as well as Bengal Jim show on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. That's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We are on all of them as well as uh, our respective YouTube channels, ours. You can click right there. Click that icon to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. We always love new subscribers. We appreciate it. And we also have some memberships that have some exclusive perks there. If you want to do that, that's cool. And, of course, as always, we are still supporting the – Pollock Family Foundation, headed by David Pollock, former Bengals linebacker and University of Georgia linebacker. So if you want to help them out, you can send us YouTube super chat our way. We are pooling those for a big couple of donations to them, or you can go to givesendgo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation and support them directly, and we'll be giving out some prizes and stuff for supporters on that. Appreciate all of you. We got our week off to a good start. Happy Monday, Victory Monday. Take care, everybody. We'll be seeing you more this week. And Bengals win 3-3, 30-26 over the Saints. Take care.